0: Good morning. If you would like, go ahead and open your Bible to to Genesis. Genesis chapter 4. We've been doing a lot of reading from Genesis lately. Uh, I'll do a little bit more this morning. As you're turning there, I'd like to welcome you all out. I do hope you have had a a blessed week. Uh, Despite the storms and the rain, we were able to have a few evenings uh, that were truly beautiful, and we're just blessed with an absolutely gorgeous Saturday. So, I hope you all were able to enjoy that. Uh, it is truly a great blessing to be here with you this morning to worship our God, to study about His Word, and to praise Him. Today is the 102nd day of 2015. The 102nd day of 2015. I uh, I am required to know that because where, where I work at at Lockheed Martin, we operate on what's called the Julian date system. So we have every single day numbered. 1 to 365. Today is the 102nd. What that means is we are roughly a third of the way through 2015. That's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that this year is going by so fast. Um, it's about this time that people uh, are usually, they're getting ready for summer. We're, we're, we're getting ready for, for this warmer weather to kick in. Sports seasons are beginning. Ryder actually started t-ball, uh, his, his first ever year of t-ball. So, you know, we're, we're taking part of that. Yard work and uh, gardening is getting uh, started. A lot of work's being done in that. And most people about this time are starting to figure out that all those New Year's resolutions we made are going to be a lot harder than we anticipated. Whether it be maybe uh, to be eat, eat healthier in 2015, or whether it maybe I'm going to read more books, or I'm going to read from the Bible more this year. We're finding out, well, that's that's all a lot easier to think about it in January. But as we get into the year we start to realize this is going to be a little difficult. And that's my, that brings me to my sermon this morning. If, if you're in Genesis, go ahead and open to chapter 4. Hopefully, maybe you made a resolution this year that in some way, in 2015, you were going to serve God better. It's a very, uh, it's a very good resolution to make, one that we should make every year. We should try to better ourselves in this every year. So this, this morning, I would like to ask this question of you. Are you giving your best to God? Actually, ask this question to yourself: Am I giving my best to God? When I look around, when I look around, I see a lot of people who encourage me. You encourage me because I see people who live, as Colossians three says, those who are setting their mind on things above. And because of the lives that you live, I grow from this. I can I can take courage that I can live a life set with my uh, with my mind on things set above. So, so as I go through this sermon this morning, I hope you know that yeah, I did say when I came here that if I saw things that concerned me or things that were flat out wrong, that I would say bring them to you. That is not my purpose this morning. My purpose this morning is for us to look at, at what we have already decided to do in our lives and to renew ourselves, <laughs> renew our efforts to serve God. And I wanted to start by doing, or doing this uh, by looking at some ways people in the past have served God. And first, I want to look at, at uh, an example of Cain and Abel. Cain, uh, in Genesis 4, we have this, uh, this account of, of these two brothers, uh, the first two brothers that we ever have account of in, in the entire world, and they are giving a sacrifice to God. And we're going to see, as we look through here, that Cain's sacrifice was not looked upon favorably by God. And we want to ask the question, why? Why was Cain's sacrifice not acceptable? Now, I've heard some say before, well, because it was the fruit of the ground. We know that Cain brought fruit of the ground and Abel brought, well, he brought a a living sacrifice that had blood coursing through it. And we think maybe fast forward to Christ's sacrifice on the cross and the blood. And I can see how someone could come to that conclusion that there's got to be blood there for it to be acceptable. But we can see through numerous passages throughout the Old Testament that that's not the case. Fruit offerings were always acceptable for many things. We see uh, offerings of grain also, and offerings even of the fruit of the vine, the, the juice, the drink offerings. So it wasn't exactly what he gave. But I think we can see it was how he gave. In Genesis 4, verse 4, we see Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. And in verse 5, But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. In Genesis 4.4, 4, we see that it was because Abel was giving of the first of his offering. But not just the first, not just the firstborn, but also of the fullest, of the fattest. We see, uh, you can kind of picture Abel gathering together all of his sheep and his goats, and he's going to take the first. Uh, the firstborn of his whole flock, he's going to gather all the firstborn and pull them out. He said, okay, I'm going to give one of these to the Lord. They're the firstborn. They're the, they're, that's what would be the best to give to him. But I'm going to go a step farther. He could have said, well, yes, this is the firstborn, but it's got that foot that kind of turns sideways and it walks with a limp. We, we have a cow at our house that the boys have named Sickly Sinclair. Because it's got a messed up hoof and it's always in the same spot. He could have given sickly sinclair. He could have given this this firstborn maimed sheep. And God would not have accepted that. And He knew that. That's why He chose the very best of the firstborn. The fattest. The ones that that had the most to offer. Now in, in, in studying this, we need to be asking ourselves this same question. How can I... Give the first, and not just of the first, but give of the fullest of my life to God. Well, I think obviously it's going to be by putting Him first in our lives. Putting Him first, making Him first priority in everything we do. And that's going to become, no doubt, through serving Him. Through choosing to become a Christian, through choosing to to pattern your life after that which He has asked us to pattern it. And if you've not done so this morning, we're going to have an opportunity here later to do so. But, but going beyond that, going beyond choosing to serve Him, we also see another way that we can put Him first is through attending faithfully. When we say that, that God, You have required of us to come together, and there is nothing in my life. You know, right now we have sports, and, and we, as I said, we, we have yard works and gardens, and there's so many things that can, that can crop up, especially in this time of year when it's so beautiful outside. We're gonna, we can say that I will put all that aside. Because God, you come first in my life. I will place you first, I will be there. If you want to flip over real quick to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, and I imagine most of you know where we're going in verse 25. So many times I've heard Christians say that, oh, there's this is that verse that we just that preachers like to use to beat people over the head to get them into their service. Well, that's not the case. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, we do read, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. That word assembling there, we understand that. It doesn't say the assembly. He's not picking out one service to say, don't, don't forsake this one service. But rather, uh, as, as writer's Bible, he has an international children's Bible. He asked me, can you, can you turn to the passage you were talking about? So I turned to it for him and I read it to him. It says, do not, uh, if I'm trying to remember it correctly, don't forsake the church meetings. Or, or don't choose to stay away from the church meetings. And I thought that's a very interesting way of putting that because that does take out the confusion. Some people s- seem to believe that it says assembly here. I can choose one assembly to go to and that's going to kind of be my checklist. I did that. I didn't forsake it. But another thing I want to look at is not just the word assembling, any time we are gathered together, but also the word forsake. Forsake doesn't mean that I was just... If you're sick, you still have to come. No matter what, you have to be there. Forsake means to abandon. To say, I, I, I'm not going to come anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to maybe one, I'm going to do my bare minimum, but for the rest, I'm abandoning what God has asked me to do. I'm putting that away because I just don't simply put Him first in my life. And what we see here, the, the writer of Hebrews, we assume it possibly to be Paul, but he's saying don't do this. But when we look at the context of why he's saying it, it is so much more powerful. The letter to the Hebrews was a letter written to those who were coming out of Judaism. Those who had, who had been, uh, lived their whole lives, been surrounded, their fathers and their grandfathers through history in the, in the Jewish religion, and coming out of that into Christianity. And so we see that they are suffering a great deal of persecution. At this point, not from Romans, but from Jews themselves. They are they're being separated. They're, as we talked about in class this morning, Jews tended to, to flock together. Jews liked other Jews. So when they were coming out of Judaism, they were leaving family and friends behind. Family and friends were cutting them off. They were saying, well, you very possibly could have your house destroyed, your family upset, but even more likely you were being cut off from the marketplace. You couldn't do business. There were so many disadvantages uh, of of the physical nature for choosing to follow Christ. And yet with all this, and how easy would it have been to say, well, yeah, they're gathering over there, but somebody might see me. Somebody might see me gathering with them, and everybody's going to know then that I'm a Christian, and I'm going to possibly be suffering all these things. How easy would it have been, and Paul is saying, or the Hebrew writer excuse me, is saying, despite all that is going on, despite all this, choose to gather together. Choose to not forsake the assembling. And we'll talk about, more, uh, uh, or talk about why more uh, later here in a minute. But for now, let's just think on the fact that that is one way that we can put God first, that we can give our first to God. Now, if you want to look at another example of sacrifices, we, uh, we hit on this this morning. In fact, uh, I, I don't know why I didn't think of it as we were studying John 13, but Eric just tromped all over my lesson this morning, and I appreciate him doing it. Exodus 12. Exodus 12, we have another example of what a sacrifice is to entail. We, we can think Exodus 12, we know this, the context here, the Israelites are, are in Egypt, they have been uh, requesting to be let go by, by Pharaoh, and he is being stubborn and hardened of heart and saying, no, you're not going, and God has sent all these plagues, and the, the tenth plague is about to come upon them, and the death of the firstborn, and in getting ready for this, uh, God institutes the Passover. And we read in chapter 12 and verse 5. Some of the things that were to be found in that lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. But that idea of without blemish. This was the idea to say that you were to give the absolute best. We can see this again in Leviticus 22. we we'll to turn over to Leviticus 22 and look in verse Verse 17. <clears throat> And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and to all the children of Israel and say to them, whatever man of the house of Israel or of the strangers in Israel who offers his sacrifice for any of his vows or for any of his free will offerings, which, are, which they are to offer to the Lord as a burnt offering, you shall offer of your own free will a male without blemish from the cattle, from the sheep or from the goats. And whatever has a defect, you shall not offer, for it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. And whoever offers a sacrifice of peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow or a freewill offering from the cattle or to the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. Those that are blind or broken or maimed or have ulcer or eczema or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them on the altar to the Lord." either a bull or a lamb that has any limb too long or too short, you may offer as a freewill offering, uh, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. You shall not offer to the Lord what is bruised or crushed or torn or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land, nor from, from a foreigner's hand shall you offer any of these as the bread of your God, because their corruption is in them and defects are in them. They shall not be accepted on your behalf. So again, we see here, God is saying, give your best as an offering. He simply is not interested in anything less. He says, I want perfection in the offerings that you give to me. And we can see that this idea still carries over today. God wants our best and obviously we can see this is going to mean our physical best. It does. It means that when we, when we come to worship, we should wear the best that we have, our attire. Now, I've, I've always loved how uh, this one preacher, I can't, I've tried all week to remember his name and I've forgotten it, but he, he said one time that if that means the very best you have is those, those denim coveralls, then wear your denim coveralls. But give your best when you come to worship the Lord. And it means that the building, we're going to do our best to maintain the building and keep everything orderly. And we, we will vacuum the floors and we will keep the yard mowed. But guys, it goes so much farther than just simply our physical best. That is just barely even scratching the surface. We go far, We go much farther in our thoughts of that. God expects... A, a inward best as well. He expects a transformation, as he says over in Romans. Romans chapter twelve and verse one and two, where we find that, that we ourselves should be sacrifices. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now when we understand this idea of a, a sacrifice being acceptable to God. We understand, as we've, as we've studied from the Old Testament, that that, ex, that sacrifice to be acceptable has to be the best. So our lives have to be the best that we can offer. And he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So when we are giving of, our, of ourselves, when we, when we are making this transformation, God expects the best of our life. He expects our focus, our attention, our desires to all be on him. So let's ask ourselves this question: Is our life, is our life as pure as it should be if we are giving it to God? If we are giving our life to God, is it as pure as he deserves it to be? Going on, I, I want to, to turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 26. <clears throat> In Deuteronomy 26. We're going, to, uh, we're going to read a passage that's just, I'd I, never really focused too much on before, but I think it's just so interesting. And I really want you to, as we read these words, to kind of place yourself in the context here. Here we have the people preparing, the Israelites preparing to go into Canaan. And we're going to read about where their mind was at as they prepared to go into this promised land. In 26 verse 1, we read, and it shall be. And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it. We see here that they're not in it yet. But as you come into it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land, uh, bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make His name abide. And you shall go to the one who is priest in, the, in those days, and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Now imagine this for a minute. These people are thinking about going into the promised land, but that's not all they're thinking about. They've been promised this land of flowing with milk and honey. And you think, how amazing is this? And I would be thinking, I can't wait to see these these, these giant clusters of grapes and and the flowing milk and honey. I, I just can't wait to see the awesomeness of this land. But that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking, how am I going to thank God for what He's given to me? How am I going to show God my appreciation, my gratitude? Going on in verse 4. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was a Syrian, about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. Obviously, they're remembering here their their heritage, their past. But they're also going to remember what they went through. In verse 6, But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. And then we cried out to the Lord, God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. With great terror and with signs and wonders, He has brought us to this place. And He has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given Me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And so you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, and you and the Levite, and the stranger who is among you. We see in these passages that not only are they remembering where they came from, they're remembering the bondage that they were in. But they are also they, they are also remembering who it was that saved them from that bondage, the deliverance they are doing so with the recalling what God had done for them in the past and then finally, in the last uh, in twelve through fifteen, we, we read about what they were to do with uh, on the third year. It says when you have finished laying aside of all the tithe of your increase in the third year, the year of tithing so they have a special year uh, this third year set aside for this. And have given it to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe from my house, and also have given them to the Levite and the stranger, and the fatherless and the widow, according to all your commandments which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for an unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead." I have obeyed the voice of the, of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel. And the land which you have given us, just as you swore to your fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. This last point was this, these people were to see that all that God had given them, this land and the abundance, they were not just, to, just for their purpose. It was not just for their own benefit, but it was also provided so that all could be benefit. It was provided so that the fatherless and the widow, all these people that were being poorer, these people that have been less significant, uh, in most people's eyes, it was provided so that they too could benefit from this. So in seeing this, we need to make sure that we are giving graciously. We are thankful for the, the, what we uh, have, and that shows back in what we give. We also need to make sure that we are giving abundantly. To God. Because you can see here a people who truly showed an extreme gratitude and a gracious giving for all in their worship of the Lord. And we should have that same characteristic, that that same characteristic in our attitude when we come to worship the Lord. When we come, uh, whether it be something that He asks big of us or whether it be something small that He asks of us, what God has asked, we need to have the attitude that I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, remembering Him. Who delivered me? Because see, we have this same remembrance that they had. They were delivered from this bondage that they were in. And as Christians, we too were delivered from the bondage of sin. And we think of what God has given to us. We need to make sure that we are, are giving back to Him with thanks and gratitude. We should also remember... <clears throat> excuse me. I, and this takes place. It, it, it happens when we take a desire to do so. When we make a commitment to, to make it happen... So ask ourselves, do we do this when we come together to worship? Are we preparing ourselves as these people were preparing themselves to worship God? Do we prepare ourselves before services? Or is Sunday just another day where we hit the alarm clock, jump out of bed, grab our clothes and shoot out the door? Is this a day that we have prepared for? Because otherwise that's not our best. It's not something that we, have, that we have thought about. Not something that we have put time into. We should also remember that when we come together, we come together not just for our own sakes, but we come together for all. When we come together to worship the Lord. We are also here to build one another up. I told you we would discuss why we were told not to forsake the assembling in Hebrews. The uh, the answer to that, the reason why, is found in the in the verse simple, right before verse twenty five. Hebrews ten verse twenty four says, "Let us consider one another." Come together for one another in order to stir up love and good works. We talked about in class this morning about the commandment that, that Jesus gave to love one another and why He gave that commandment. Because we, He knew we were going to need this. We were going to need one another to, to get through the, the, the trials that we have in this life. Sometimes it's hard and we were going to have to make sure that we were not trying to go through this alone. That I'm not trying to go through this alone, but I have the help of my brothers and sisters. And when my brothers and sisters come to service, they're coming not just for the sole purpose of their own salvation, but they're coming for also the the service to me and I to them so that we can build one another up so that love may abound amongst us. So we have to ask ourselves are we giving graciously or are we giving abundantly? When we choose, maybe I'm I'm just going to, uh, uh, I'm not going to come today because it's not convenient. Uh, It's not convenient for me to be here uh, because possibly there's a a baseball game going on. Well, that baseball game is going to take up more of my time, and that's more convenient to go to that. We're not showing the concern that God had for all when we attend in this way. So we need to make sure that we are giving of of ourselves graciously and abundantly as well. We also see that we need to give ourselves personally to God. Turn over to 2 Samuel. In chapter 24. Second <clears throat> Samuel 24, we, we read of a, a very interesting fellow named Aruna. Aruna. That's it's a kind of a hard name to, to pronounce, uh, especially looking at the, the spelling of it. But Aruna is a guy that I believe every single one of us would love to have as a friend. Aruna is a very special person. But we see that through the example found here, giving of our best to God is going to involve personal effort and expense on our part. Uh, basically, what we have here is Aruna telling David, uh, as David's come, come to make this offering, he was instructed by Gad to come make an offering on the threshing floor of Aruna. Aruna tells him, Tell you what, right now I've got a special going on, all inclusive sacrifice. It's not going to cost you a dime. He says, whatever I have, you take it and you make your sacrifice. I'm giving it to you. But we see David, he wanted to give better than, than that to God. Starting in verse 18, let's read, uh, And Gad came to David and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. So David, according to the word of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And now Aruna looked and saw the king and his servant coming, uh, coming toward him. So Aruna went out and bowed before the king with his face to the ground. And then Aruna said, Why is my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, to build an altar to the Lord that the plague may be withdrawn from the people. Now Aruna said to David, Let my Lord and King take and offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, here are an oxen for burnt offerings, and threshing implements, and yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. May the Lord your God accept you. But David knew what the Lord would accept. He knew what he was looking for. Then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Uh, nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which that that which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver, and David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord heeded the prayers uh, for Israel, or for the land, and the plague was withdrawn from the people. David understood that he he, he was determined that he was going to pay for it. It was going to cost him something. This sacrifice that he was giving to the Lord. Do we have this same mentality? Do we have this mentality to, to that it's going to cost me something when I make my sacrifice, when I give something to the Lord? I believe we do. I, I see that in us. But we still need to examine ourselves. Are we sitting around looking for someone else to do the work that God has asked of us? Are we sitting back hoping someone else will do the work for us? We see it is supposed to require personal effort and sacrifice. We can also see that it's supposed to require this, this abundant and gracious giving. It's supposed to require our very best, and it's supposed to require our first. Because anything less than this, anything less is to dishonor God. A friend of mine told me uh, this, this the other day about how they were running late for a movie. Run late for a movie, and they're, they're rushing over there, and they got their kids in the back seat, and their, their wife's in there, and they're like, "Oh, we're going to be late. I told you we couldn't, we couldn't spend this much time in the restaurant. now we're going to miss the movie." And, and he said, "Don't worry, we're just going to miss the trailers. We're just going to miss the previews." And that's okay, right? It's just the previews, because we don't really value the previews as much. I know when we get a DVD, that's the first thing the boys like to skip. Skip, let's get past this. I want to get to the good stuff. Where's the good stuff? Where's the, the cartoon at? No, that's, that's okay, but we need to ask ourselves do we have that same mentality with, with worship services? Do we have that same mentality to say it's just the scripture reading? It's just the first prayer? Because what we're really saying is I don't value that stuff as much. I don't really value everything that, that we do in, in service to God. What we're saying is, I'm not giving God my best. I'm not giving God my best. I'm giving Him something, and He's just going to have to make do with what I've given Him. He's just going to have to accept it. We might think nobody would truly say that. That's exactly what we read in Malachi chapter 1. In Malachi chapter 1, that's what we see of the people of Israel. In verse 7, we, we, we hear this narrative from God saying, You offer defiled food on my altar. But say, In what way have we defiled you? By saying, The table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. We see these people that, that were not, they weren't bringing God their best. They were bringing him the, the half hearted. They were bringing him the sick and the maimed. And the fact is, all the rest of the world could see this. All the rest of the world could see what was going on. And they, you could see, just, you can hear their thoughts of, that wouldn't, if I was to give that to my king, if I was to give that to my governor, to, to the, the rulers of my land, they wouldn't accept that. But that's what you give to your God. That shows what you think of your God. That shows what kind of God He is. I can't believe that's good enough for your God. We have to remember this. The rest of the world is still watching. Whether it be just just the lives that we live uh, and and the way that we talk and the way that we act, we are showing others that, that this is what we are willing to give to our God. This is what we expect Him to accept. Or maybe it's possibly even not the rest of the world. Maybe it's your own fellow brothers and sisters. When we sneak in late and then we shoot out the door right at the ends of services, has that been gracious? Has that been abundant with the time that we have? Uh, Not only towards God, but towards our brothers and sisters. And just to be clear, I'm not talking about occasional situations where maybe we're stuck in traffic or there were circumstances beyond my control. We know that we all deal with this. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about giving our best. So ask yourself that. Am I giving my best to God? Because God, simply put, God is worthy of so much more than our best. Sometimes we we might make the mistake of going, God created the heavens and the earth and He sacrificed His Son. What, What can I possibly give? There's nothing we can give that is truly worthy, that is truly equal to what He has given. But we absolutely can desire to give our very best to Him. And especially when we consider what He has given for us. He has given His best. The best of heaven. He has given His only begotten Son to come to live on this earth and to die for you. To die for me. To save us from our sins. So consider that. What is it really to give our life back to Him? Maybe today uh, there is some way you are you're living in sin. Maybe you know that and you desire that, that you're ready. You're ready to turn away from that old life. Turn back... Uh, or turn to a life of salvation. uh, In just a minute, uh, Logan's going to lead number 288. Lord, I'm coming home. Maybe you're ready to go home. I know I'm ready. That is such a glorious day. I want that day so bad. Do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that He is the, the living Son of God? Are you ready to make that confession? Are you ready to be buried with Him in baptism? Are you ready to give your heart fully to Him. And if you've done so, but, but feel like lately you've been lacking in your giving, I ask that you consider this. Let this be on your mind right now as we sing this song, Lord, I'm coming home. And if there be any need that we can facilitate for you this morning, please come forward and let it be known as we stand and sing.